Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. We've been putting some links in our uh, descriptions. We're going to continue to do so. A couple GoFundMes, and as well, we added a new one, um, which is our friend Haley's shop. It's a shop on Facebook, and she has an Etsy as well. It's called Everything Custom Designs. Smitty got some sick Around the 412 shirts. Uh, I wore one last week. Yeah, she, he won one last week. She does a lot of custom designs for you, so go check those out. And as always, uh, our social medias are around the 412 on every single platform, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and on YouTube as well. So go follow us and go subscribe to us there. Um, like our video, comment, let us know what you want to talk see us talk about, let us know what you want to see. Um, but other than that, we can just get right into the show. Um, we'll talk about the Penguins first, but a lot of sports news to, to cover in this one, I feel like. Yeah. Also, you're mentioning the social media stuff. I just wanted to point out Tyler's been posting TikToks recently on the Around the 412 because I I do a really bad job of keeping up with stuff when it's not like highlights of the teams. Um, But yeah, Tyler's been posting some TikToks even. So yeah, we're we're kind of everywhere right now. I don't know if it's just the uh, all the good vibes that have been going on in Pittsburgh with the Pirates playing well, the Steelers having a really good draft or what. But uh, yeah, Tyler's in the social media. And then you posted today on Twitter the new trend with like the press and the I, alt in the corner i saw I that like my i had a bunch of notifications i'm like what is this i didn't post anything lo and behold tyler getting involved in the social media trends yeah i'm a follower not a leader i steal ideas <laughs> and I, I take them for my own credit but yeah i've, I've hey. been hopping on i'm not quite to smitty's game yet but you know we'll <laughs> get there um yeah you mentioned though we wanted to talk about the penguins first and foremost just because there's only one piece of information to talk about yep. there really alex nylander resigning uh funny enough you know we talked about him not that long ago with danny and jesse when he when they were on the show um he was a name that you know three of the four of us had mentioned we would like to have back jesse kind not that he didn't want him back but he was kind of more impartial on it i think than the three of us were like yeah i feel like the three of us felt more strong i mean listen if they lose him what it's not the end of the world but i think that like with what he was going to get especially when you see the seven hundred fifty thousand dollar price tag on a one-way deal that's that's something that me i think all four of us we've gotten on board with but me you and danny were like yeah we'd like to have him back um so yeah, Alex Nylander are going to be back on a one-way deal. I think this kind of solidifies that he will be taking a full-time role in the NHL, probably within that bottom six, but he's also a guy that could jump up. I mean, hey, listen, we don't know what the future holds for Jason Zucker, if that's in Pittsburgh or somewhere else. Maybe he is a guy that gets an elevated role. If you can get some top six production out of him at that cost, man, those are the types of deals that the Penguins kind of need to have. Um, so that'd be a nice one to hit on. But yeah, I think Nylander, within a small sample size here, um, I, I honestly people have talked about his defense i thought his defense was even better than what people were talking about really the one thing that i think i noticed game in and game out it seemed like he was taking a penalty each and every game i'm not yeah. sure if that was part of the contract or not um <laughs> but i think like offensively he's a presence like he, he feels comfortable with the puck on his stick he is one of the few guys especially when you get down deeper into the lineup that can have the puck on his stick and carry it across the blue line so there were some things i thought like you know he when he's playing confidently um, I feel like he is going to be a contributor at this level. I don't think he's one of those like tweeners. that's like a quad a player they talk about in baseball. Um, like I do feel like he should be an NHL regular and whether that's going to be the case or not, I think we're going to find out next season. Cause I expect that he's going to have a full-time role here. That's what I assume. So, and, and I feel like the cap number is even better with it. Like you said, the 750,000 that's, I mean, not pennies obviously, but like in, in terms of uh, contracts, that yeah. basically is pennies. <laughs> Um, so I, I think that is a, a, a good deal for the Penguins to make because it's low risk. 
And he was one of the only bottom six guys the past couple months. And, and granted, it was in a, a short sample size, um, mm-hmm. but he could generate offense in that bottom six. And so I think you need more players like that. That's that's the problem that we dealt with all of last season was nobody in that bottom six for the vast majority of the season was producing offense, generating any sort of offense. If you can drive play, I think you're worthy of being in that bottom six and, and having a starting spot. Um, so Nylander was able to do that in a short stint. And like we were saying, like he, he didn't do anything horrendous enough to say, like, no, we don't want him back, like several other of the Penguins players. Um, but he didn't do anything like super great that we're like, okay, we needed this guy back. He's back. He's on a good contract. And I would anticipate that he's going to be a full-time starter or well, full-time bottom six player um, Mm -hmm. to start next season because they have to shake things up. They have to get rid of bodies somewhere. Um, And having an in-house guy that you can get for cheap that in the small sample size he did have looked okay. Um, That that's a, that's a start in the right direction when it comes to rebuilding that bottom six for what you would like to have it as moving forward, which realistically is more production and not as much um, strain on your top six and in your older aging stars. Yeah. I think the thing for me too, is like on the surface, you're going to look and see like, okay, really like the point production wasn't necessarily there, man. Look at who he was playing with though. I, I that's what I mean. Like when I'm talking about, like you mentioned the reconstruction that could take place at the bottom six and I feel like has to, but especially if he jumps up to the second line or something like, I just think there was enough there, the underlying stuff and how he looked individually to feel like, okay, like the points are going to come. Like they weren't there because of who he was playing with. But I think, you know, just as his line mates, you know, as those improve, as his time on ice improves, you know, as those things go, I think we saw enough of the individual play to say, like, we feel comfortable that that is going to be the case. I think there's certainly, I mean, the talent's in there, former eighth overall pick. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but I think this is definitely a deal worth making. I thought it was really interesting, too. Like, I know I saw a lot of people talking about this. Like the Penguins don't have a GM right now, so it was just funny that they got a deal done with a player. <laughs> Sullivan made a like, deal. Well, I was talking to Danny about it because uh, Danny actually came to my neck of the woods this past weekend, and we were uh, checking out this new brewery that opened by me. And I was like, "How exactly does that work?" And he's like, "Yeah, everybody's making the joke about like Sullivan making the deal, and I'm sure he has input and stuff like that. But really, like the guy that would have to like get the ink to the paper with Nylander and his agent would be Wilkesbury's assistant GM." That's who would really have been the guy behind the scenes on this deal, which is pretty funny to think about. But yeah, everybody was talking about GM Sully. I do think like he is a Sullivan guy though, Nylander. So I could see him like I I really am like excited for him going forward. Hopefully taking you know a, a firm grasp on a on a bottom six role for this team going forward because I think he can be a piece for them. Yeah, and in the final game of the season, he was on a line with. Uh, Mikhail Granlin and Ryan Paling. Paling yeah. and Nylander might as well have been playing just the two of them on a the line um, mm-hmm. against the, the other teams. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's good. The only thing I want to mention while we're talking about hockey is the four teams that I wanted out of the playoffs managed to be out of the playoffs in the first round. And so I can just sit back and enjoy the NHL playoffs now without yeah. even really caring about yeah, you don't, who wins the Stanley you don't Cup. Di- you don't dislike the Leafs like I do. That's the thing. I wanted them to beat Tampa. I was I was cool with that. But at this point now, they would be like the team I for sure want So do you dislike round. the Leafs just because it's a meme to dislike the Leafs? Or do you like actually well, genuinely dislike them? 
I, I, I cannot stand that the fan base. Like that yeah, is that's the, my thing. So yeah, I mean okay. I, that that that's it, fair. If, if that's the meme, then I guess so. But uh, like genuinely, it's and it's not like every Canadian team either. Like for me, it's them in Montreal. I can't stand. So no, I I completely understand that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't dislike the least. There's the, individual the four, players there that I the, the four playing, teams but. that I wanted out, and they all happen to be in the East. All lost in the first round, and so I can't even be happier. Boston, both of the New York teams, and Tampa, and not because mm. I have anything against Tampa as a team or an organization. They just win, yeah. and they've won a lot recently. So obviously, I don't want them to keep doing that. Yeah, um, I didn't know if you were to say Colorado just because they won last year. Yeah, that would be the only reason why I don't want another back to back. Um, but but that was that's also good in my opinion, just because that series was very entertaining overall. And Seattle, it looks really good, and and yeah. and they're probably my my team. If I have to pick like a favorite that I want until to they win, lose, yeah, I'm I'm still I'm I'm rooting for Seattle. Um, but I think it'd be funny if you had like a a Western Conference Final of Vegas and Seattle, and just watch all of the old heads of hockey get so ticked because <laughs> they didn't have to go through the grind of being a bad yeah. franchise or new franchise team for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I I think it the playoffs have been pretty good so far. That either Seattle or Dallas is going to be in the Western Conference final. Yeah. I know Dallas was in the final that like the, the in, that was the bubble year though, Bubble right? year, yeah. Um but yeah, it would still seem odd to me for them to be there. I, I mean, that's just that's they got the best goaltender left in Ottinger. That was another thing I was talking to my dad about like the teams with the best goalies lost in round 1. Shesterkin. Um why am I blanking on the Ilya Olmark. Sorokin, Olmark? Like the teams with the better goaltenders lost in round. Olmark they weren't got able cold. To, he yeah. didn't even start. Game apparently, seven. he was dealing with some injury or something, which is yeah, like why did he even play? Why was he even playing up until game six? Then when he got pulled in that game, that's um, a good question. Why was uh, Erickson Eck playing with a broken fibula? Why was Why was Bergeron playing with a herniated disc in his back? Hockey players are insane. That's the answer. Yeah, I mean, but at that point, it was like detrimental to the team. Obviously, if if what he was dealing with put them in that spot, um, I di didn't necessarily anticipate asking you this, but okay, so we're down to four series, eight teams. Who's going to win each of these series? Um, hold on, I actually have to bring this. Well, I, I, okay, so Florida, Toronto, okay. game one going on right now. Uh, Toronto. Okay, Seattle, Dallas. Seattle. New Jersey, Carolina, Carolina, and Edmonton, Vegas, Edmonton. Okay, so I'm with you in the last two, but I ha I would say Florida, Seattle, Carolina, Edmonton. Okay, or no, you said Seattle. Yeah, I said Seattle. You said Seattle. Okay, so really, just, I have Florida over Toronto, but the other three are the same. Mm hmm. All right. Um. Okay, now let's talk about the talk of the weekend, what everybody really wants to talk about right now. I know that the Pirates are playing really well. We're going to get to that too. But the Steelers draft class, normally, and like we've spent so much time talking about this. By the way, shout out to everybody that tuned in one or both nights of the live streams for the NFL draft. That was a ton of fun. It is every year. I, we look forward to doing it. And it's like almost like 
I just can't wait. I don't want to wish away time, wish away an entire football season and get to the next draft season. But like those two nights are always so fun. We had yeah. a blast doing it. Um, so and Mid Kuiper made an appearance uh, in your absence for like the first two hours of the first live stream. Yeah, I I don't know what happened there. I guess he got tired or had to go back to ESPN. Something happened like two hours into the draft where he was just like, "I'm out." Then I was back in. Luckily, I was right there to to fill in. Um, but he did make an appearance. It was really good. Um, he was a big fan of my mock draft, which did do really well. I should have submitted mine. I think if I submitted mine, mine would have been very good comparatively to other people's from what I was seeing. Did, did, like yeah, Alan Saunders has like the, had like the fifth, and I think mine was honestly like right there. Did so, you see that? I and maybe this is false, but that the real Mel only got one player team right. I thought it was three. I think it was three because I I, oh, I was looking three? at all of them. Yeah, I thought it was but just one. It was only one outside of like Bryce and Will Anderson, which were like yeah. two almost. Gimmies, the two and, I got and right. Everybody was very <laughs> yeah, and everybody was very lucky that I got more right in, in our draft on Tuesday night than I did in my actual final mock draft. Yeah. Yeah, because Houston and Houston traded the three to get Will and Will Anderson. Otherwise, he would, you know, most yep. people would have lost one there because a lot of people had that one. But he would only had two. The only other one outside of the obvious was um he had uh Anton Harrison to the Jags, which is like super random okay. that he got that one. Um but yeah, anyways, the Steelers come out of this draft with an insane haul. Again, we're not going to know what this draft class is until years down the line. But when you just look at how these guys were rated as prospects, the value that they got within these guys, Broderick Jones in round one with a slight trade up with the Patriots, Joey Porter Jr. They stick and pick at 32, widely thought that they were going to move on from that pick. I think Arizona a combination of they felt really good about picking Joey Porter Jr. Also, Arizona moving out one pick behind them kind of diminished what the Steelers could have gotten for that pick 32. So it probably just wasn't worth it to them at that point. Just stick and pick the guy that they really liked and Joey Porter Jr. Keanu Benton, Benton at 49. Um, they, they moved from 80 to 93 for Darnell Washington to pick up another selection after they moved 120. In that deal for Broderick Jones, they slid back a little bit to 93 to regain a fourth to select the brother of offensive lineman Nate Herbig, Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin. Um, and then they didn't have a pick until the seventh round where they had two and they get Corey Trice Jr. and Spencer Anderson, an offensive lineman out of Maryland. Corey Trice Jr. from a value perspective to me was the best value that they got in this draft. I had him as a third round player. They got in the seventh round. I think something popped up medically with a knee or something is why he f yeah. fell. Uh, clearly something was there, but I still think like, man, that you take a chance at that point. The fact that nobody else did to me is insane. Um, I don't think anybody I was, I was going through, like there was maybe one UDFA and I can't, dang, I can't even think of what his name is. They got an edge guy out of Fresno that has over 20 sacks and uh, his three seasons there. Um, so I think he might be the, like the one interesting name so far that I was looking at out of the UDFA class. I know people are pumped about that fullback. They got the picture I'm swirling the him back from Iowa. Uh, yeah. So we'll see if anything there. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the surface again, we're not gonna know what this draft class is till years down the line, but I think they got a, a lot of immediate contributors at a lot of positions of need. And this is really like a, a foundational draft when you talk about it being the first one for Omar Khan and Andy Weidel, it's hard to find, you know, a hole in what they did here. It's easy to see what their process was. They stuck true to their identity and what they started to, I think you go back to the last half 
of the 2022 season where they started to run the ball really well. It seemed like that that's what they wanted their identity to be. And then they have the free agency they did where, you know, they bring in Samalo and Herbig and these guys that are just like, okay, we're going to run the rock. You get Broderick Jones in here, a very well-known polished run uh, blocker who needs some work in the pass pro, but he is what he is right now. I, I think they just stayed true to their identity, a press man corner and Joey Porter Jr. So I'm, I'm very happy with what they walked out of the draft with. Here's what I can say about the draft. After my short amount of research that I did after the draft, I think that this is the best draft on paper in our lifetimes. When I went back and I looked at draft classes, there were top to bottom. So there were good individual players in a lot of the draft classes. I mean, that Mm -hmm. 2017 year was a really good draft. Um, and there were several in the early 2000s as well that had a lot of players from those success in the mid 2000s teams, the two Super Bowl teams that were that were very good. On paper, mm-hmm. this is the best draft that you and I have seen alive. On paper, yeah. because when I look at the players that they picked, I think you can make the argument that not only did they take positions of need, but at each position, and I could say this for definitely the top four picks. But I could also make the argument for pick number five and pick number six that they also picked the best player available on the board that was also happening to to fill a position of need. Yep. You could say that with every single player, and I don't think the Steelers have ever had a draft in our lifetime that I could say that for. And on paper right now, this is the best draft class that we've seen. It was really exciting to see the board fall the way that we did. Um, the, the trade up for Broderick Jones, it was obvious that they were going to take a tackle or a corner. It ended up being the tackle. They had to jump the jets to be able to get them. It seemed obvious that that was going to be the pick. Um, Mm -hmm. really exciting stuff about that. Also shout out for you for, for calling the trade up to take Broderick Jones in your mock draft. That was basically the, the nail in the coffin for me (laughs) in the hopes of trying to not buy a Jersey. Um, but (laughs) And then getting Joey Porter Jr. And you also had your choice of Brian Branch at 32 as well. I I, I like taking Joey Porter Jr. there. I would have been fine fine with Brian Branch too. But the fact that you were able to fall, that falls into your lap and you get to make the decision was great. Keanu Benton, one of the best defensive tackles in this draft, probably top three, top four. And you were able to get him at 49. And I think that he was the best player available on the board when they took him. And the fact that Darnell Washington fell to 39 or 93 the because of knee issues, I, I, I suppose, which he chuckled about saying, I don't have any issues with my knees. Yeah. Um, th- that is one of the biggest steals of, of this draft. And the fact that they're able to get another brother and Nick Herbig, the Steelers should just be like a brother company right now because over the past five seasons, they've been united probably what five, four or five pairs of brothers. Um, uh, some point at this point. Okay, so we have the Herbigs now, the Haywards, yeah, Watts, the Edmonds, Edmonds, Davis. So that's five. Um, is that it? I think that might be it, at least from recent memory. Okay. But the, the the point still stands. They got positions of need, and they also got best players available for several picks throughout this this draft. I thought it was a home run by Omar Khan and Andy Weidel. They did a heck of a job, especially being aggressive, even though Omar Khan doesn't think he's aggressive, being aggressive to trade up 
and also having the willingness to trade down and still get your guy. I I don't really have enough words to say about this draft. It's it, it was awesome, and I I think that you you get probably at least forced. I mean I, I don't know. Darnell Washington isn't technically a starter, but he's going to play like a starter, like for how they're going to utilize him. Any blocking. Uh, position for a tight end right now or a blocking situation, it's going to be him over any other tight end we have. So even though he's not the starter, he is a starter in, in that sense. So you, yeah, I, I feel like positions. he could definitely like think about, well, so if you're at Steelers games, you know, when they announced the offense, like last year, Zach Gentry was getting announced. Yeah. Darnell Washington might be that guy instead. Like, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel, and he, yeah, like you're saying, could be considered a starter. Yeah, and they they, they filled multiple holes. I, 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 I think that, and I saw a lot of people like undercrediting and, and uh, on Twitter and on TikTok, like how good of a draft this was for the Steelers. I mean, a lot of people are giving it credit, but I feel like a lot of people are just kind of ignoring how good this. Well, was. I feel like those people are just doing that because of how many people are saying that it was so good. Like you, you have to have people that are different. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's true. Those people are wrong, but, but, <laughs> but I guess that is true. Um, yeah. But you know, you know, that was a, a fun, fun weekend um, to, to see those guys. And like you said, Corey Trice, I think you, you had a third ground grade on him. I know Derek had him in his top 100 players. Yep. And Derek just did a, by the way, uh, Steelers underscore DB. Uh, I really don't want to put another link in our description um, just because there's so many there, but he just did a Corey Trice breakdown. Very hard to find film on him. I couldn't find any on uh, my resource to doing so, Caddy's Cut-Ups, um, but I know that he was able to find enough to put together a YouTube video that's like 20-some minutes, um, so go check that out. I actually think it broke his most viewed YouTube videos. He I fell asleep smaller. to it last night, actually. It broke uh, Isaac's I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's weird, but that's how I fell asleep. I was listening to Derek <laughs> talk to me. Yeah, I think what's so interesting about Corey Trice is like people, I think he's like the art, like I don't want to say, this isn't meant to be a slight. I'm just saying it because of where they were going to draft it. It's like the RC Cola version of Joey Porter Jr. If you didn't get Joey <laughs> Porter Jr. early, I, you target Corey Trice late because of similar traits. Like he's he's six foot three. He's that he's also super long, really athletic. Which, by the way, clearly the Steelers were targeting that. I mean, Herbig was yeah. the only guy that wasn't like a ninety percentile athlete that they drafted. Even he was like a seventy seven percent. So, um, yeah, clearly they had a type this year, and that's what they were targeting. But back to Trice, um, yeah, I, I think that he's very similar to Porter, and that like as close as you can get him to the line of scrimmage, as soon as he can get his hands on receivers, the better. The farther he is away from the line of scrimmage, that's when he can kind of open that gate sometimes. He's not as great, you know, when you try to have him play in like that shadow technique or bail technique. Um, he wants to be around the line of scrimmage and get his hands on receivers because that's when he's at his best. So I I'm very excited about what that duo could potentially be down the line. Obviously, you have more invested in Joey Porter Jr., but that's literally only to me because of an injury to Corey Trice. Otherwise, he's not even there for the Steelers taking. If they wanted to double dip at cornerback and it was going to be him, they would have had to have taken him at like 80. But mm -hmm. luckily for them, and unfortunately for him, due to whatever popped up medically for him, he was available in the seventh round. And again, just from a value perspective, I thought that was their best pick because despite Washington being there at, at 93, which is, was also ridiculous, 
Trice was there in the 200s. And like Derek, I had him, you know, if I did a top 100, he would have definitely been the top 100 because I thought he was a third round player in a really yeah. good corner class. Yeah. Washington was taken probably like 60 picks after most people would have mocked him. Trice was there 160 picks <laughs> after yeah. most people would have walked, mocked him. Um, and I kind of feel bad not talking about Spencer Anderson, but to be honest, don't I, really know anything I don't about, know him. about him. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, so I, don't get me wrong. I think the thing with me is even though I've started it deeper and deeper into like the draft game as the years have gone on here, I think offensive line is still where I lack in terms of that's why, like, I always defer to a guy on like, if you guys know Brandon Thorne on Twitter to me is like the number one OL guy um, for, in terms of anything draft already guys that are in the pros, whatever it might be, just OL play in general. Um, I really have a hard time evaluating the position, um, especially because it's it, that such a hard transition. Like that's why you see tackles struggle so early in their rookie years. Derek just pointed out uh, today on Twitter he had a really good thing about like the number of starts that tackles rookie tackles had and then the number of penalties that they had as well. Very high number. They typically are around the lead leaders in terms of penalties. So mm -hmm. that kind of just goes back to my point with Broderick Jones. Still absolutely love the selection, but I, I really think people need to temper their expectations for what year one of him is going to be in terms of a pass protector. Um, so I, I looked at this draft class and I, I was watching. I finished. So. I mentioned that caddies cutups. There's five full games on there of Joey Porter Jr. I've watched the last one that I had to watch today. Um, I wanted to mention this because I know I, I was kind of somebody that talked about this too in terms of maybe like a knock on him was the ball production, though he did have 11 pass defenses. After watching the entirety of what I've seen now, I came away thinking there's a good shot for him to transition some of those pass breakups to interceptions at the next level um his his hands are around the ball i i think a lot of it was bad luck and i think that mm -hmm. if you know some of that i i really think you can finish some of these plays and then become interceptions and i think having a guy like patrick peterson who's like has the second most picks among active players right now and having a guy like Terrell austin you know where that's been his mo is getting the is taking the ball away since he came to pittsburgh I really think there's a good shot for maybe what people consider his one thing that knocked him in the lack of ball production to become a strength for him at the NFL level. So I, I was very encouraged walking, walking away from what I've seen of him on tape, which is again, is, is a five game sample size. Um, but yeah, to me that e even with that lack of ball production should have been a first round pick. So I would have loved him at 32, even without that. But after watching that, I really feel like, Man, if he he was right there, probably again. If I did like a full ranking, like a big board, he probably would have been within that fifteen to twenty range. Mm -hmm. So, you know, another another value. I, I think the Steelers got value everywhere. It, oddly enough, maybe besides Broderick Jones, and that they had to go to that spot to get him regardless. So he was probably the only one that was like right around picked where he should have. Everybody else went way later than they should have, in my opinion. That they got. Yeah, I mean, there was a few players like Brian Branch. He didn't get picked on number forty-five. We thought we yeah. thought the Steelers could get him at forty nine. It was it got close. It, it they probably wouldn't close. have. I think they still take Benton in that because they. I mean, yeah. everybody knew that they really like Keanu Benton. I mean, uh -huh. you and I both picked it as like one guy. If we had like three guesses, that would have been a Steeler. So I, I think regardless, Keanu Benton was the guy in that spot. But that would have been an interesting conversation. Like they did meet with Brian Branch. So mm -hmm. 
One of the curious things about this draft was there were 12 quarterbacks taken in the first five rounds. I did not see that happen. Yeah, in a class where it's like you knew that the the top four were going to go relatively early. When I say relatively early, I know Levis had to wait until day two, but still top 35 pick. But after that, I would not have been able to guess that they would go when they did. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to guess when they would go when they did. And really, after Head and Hooker, I couldn't guess who would be taken next. Like I, I feel like yeah, there was a I mean, a big skew of like who could have been the next quarterback after Hendon Hooker because that that seemed to be everybody's like QB five that would be taken off the board. After mm-hmm. that, I mean, it was just a big jumble and a big mess. Like Sean Clifford, Clifford. That's, what, that's the ones we bring up. Him and Stetson Bennett both went in round four, right? So what are we doing? And like, <laughs> listen, I don't want to sound biased, but you're taking Clifford and Stetson Bennett over Jaron Hall. I. I I, yeah, I, that, that doesn't make sense. To, he was Tanner McKee or Tanner McKee. Yeah. yeah. What, Clayton I, I, Toon went before both of them, though, right? I think Arizona yeah. took him before those yeah. two went, but yeah, still. Hayner? Did Hayner go before them? Yep. Hayner oh, was okay. gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, Tanner McKee was picked after Jaron. Yeah. That was. Jaron Hall was 12. Not, that wasn't surprising. I Because I, I get like McKee doesn't have as much mobility. This, this, As the much. Philly is interesting. He doesn't have any. What are yeah. we talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm curious. That's why I'm curious. Like, I, who? It, ideally, for Philly, he doesn't have to play a game. Elder McKee. Yeah, but that is it. Will be an interesting transition to go from Jalen Hurts to Tanner McKee if it ever has to happen. Yeah, you go from the most mobile offense in the league to we are back in the 19. But that's 80s. But that's what's weird is like they did some <laughs> RPO stuff. Like, how were they keeping anybody honest? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting draft. Um, overall, Steelers' perspective, it was great. And the one thing that, about the Steelers' draft that was, has nothing to do with the Steelers' picks that is good for Steelers fans is that the Ravens seem to have the worst draft of the AFC North, um, which is typically the opposite of what normally happens. So I, I feel good about that. Not that they had a bad draft. I I, th- I like a lot of their selections. It's just typically, I mean, especially last year, I felt like players were falling to them like they were falling to us this year, and it was yeah. driving me nuts. So I, it's yeah, it's, we'll it's, see. it's just it's just nice to win one. People are talking about them, like not having a good draft in the north because I think people are probably higher on two of the players the Browns got than I am. Like I don't like. I, I either love what the Browns did. Like, I love the spot for Cedric Tillman. I think that was great value there. Um, who, el- who else was it that they got that I thought was a really good? Uh, oh, I, li- I like DTR as a backup quarterback option. I think especially, you know, they're who he's going to be backing up. Um, but, yeah, the Siaki Ika and Dewan Jones picks I hate. I, people are probably higher on those two, and that's why people are viewing their draft class higher. But I think they stink, so I'm not going to view that draft class as high. But who was the other one? It can't just be Tillman and DTR. <sighs> Isaiah McGuire? Yes, I love Isaiah McGuire. And he was like a 90-some percentile athlete, too, on the edge. I thought that was a really good pick. That was the other one. But, yeah, yeah it, it, I guess it depends on how you view Ika and Dewan Jones. All about we know, We know from... You know, Derek and stuff that there's some more stuff there with Dewan Jones. He's a bum, but 
but <laughs> Ika is if you're are you getting the 2021 version or 2022 version? They're taking a bet there. And Jim Schwartz is really good. You know, he's a great defensive mind. So if he was pounding the table for him, could work out. I just I'm personally not a fan. Uh, but this isn't a isn't a Browns podcast, it's a Steelers podcast. I thought they did have a really good draft. Obviously, time will tell how these guys transition to the league, but you can look at the value they got and still say they had a they had a good weekend. They got a lot of things accomplished, I think. And I think that there's a lot of reason for optimism. Uh first two jersey number news. We know that Roger Jones is going to wear 77. Um, great story behind that. That that was the number of his teammate that was killed in that car crash that you mm-hmm. know so much has been talked about. Yeah. Um, so he's going to honor him and wear 77. Obviously, 59, a pretty historic number for the Steelers. So he's not going to wear that. Um, and then Joey Porter Jr. going to wear the number of Uncle Ike, 24 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that would be really cool too. I, I, there's been some talk like maybe they wouldn't have, maybe the Steelers said no to him wearing the single digit, knowing the Steelers history, that is certainly possible. I think 24 is going to look good though anyway. So you think Darnell Washington is going to wear zero like everybody well, wants I mean, that would to? Go back, that would go back to the conversation that I just brought up with Porter. Like, are they going to let him do it? I think yeah. he, clearly he wants to. He tweeted about it. So if uh, if they let him, I think that would be his first option. I hope that they do. I, I think that would look better than anything in the '80s, which would be the other options. Yeah, because yeah. you already I, have I 88, so. 81, and eighty-three accounted for. So he probably in eighty-nine if they keep Gunner. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Do you think Broderick Jones... Okay. Prediction a few days after the draft. It is it is Tuesday, May 2nd. Yeah. Is Broderick Jones going to like win the starting tackle out, out of camp? So, I don't want to set myself up to not lose this. I will give you an actual prediction, but I just want to set the table from both sides here. Okay, because so you're gonna I'm, you're gonna Richie Bradshaw the game and, and, <laughs> and just and, and just talk your way around it and then give an answer always, I'm not expecting. That's always so good. Um, <laughs> I I think I brought up how much tackles can struggle in their rookie seasons already. Um, I think that you kind of have to live and learn with that for those guys to get better. Like in order to, they got to take their lumps, in my opinion, at the NFL level, and we've seen teams be willing to let guys do that. Um. Because it's the Steelers and because it's Tomlin, I think that's why the door is a little bit more open for that to not be the case. I think they're always just going to play the best player. And at, I, I know that Dan Moore is not going to be a better player than Roger Jones for very long, if at all. But when the season first opens up, I could see a world where Tomlin views Dan Moore as the best option to start the season. So that, to me, is the only caveat. Um, if I really like have to make a prediction on it, which I said I was going to, I will say Roger Jones is the starter. I will too. I, I, I think that but he will you get what I'm saying. Out of camp. Yeah, no, I fully understand it. it yeah. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the debate that we had or not really debate the, the thought that we had on Mitch Trubisky starting last season sure. over Kenny yeah. Pickett, like not obviously not the exact same, but pretty similar. Like it well, makes, and look at what they make sense. So that would almost be the case, be the case yeah. for Dan Moore too. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I I think he wins it out of camp, but would it surprise either of us if 
Dan Moore started? No. no. And that's where Steeler fans probably, like you said, need to temper expectations. This guy isn't going to be a, a Pro Bowl tackle from day one just because he was a first-round tackle. I mean, if By he the is, way, first, be... first, first lineman the Steelers have taken in the first round since David DeCastro, um, yeah. which was the 2011 draft, I think. Yeah. Um. So 12 years, pretty long time. Um. But yeah, I, I, I think that this will be his job um, to lose, honestly, in my opinion. I, I think I think if, I, if I'm if i the Steelers, I'm looking at it, Broderick Jones is the starting tackle going into camp. Give me a reason why you're not the starting tackle is what I'll be watching for. Yeah, that will be interesting. And it's also like, hey, this could be a good thing for Dan Moore. Maybe mm-hmm. cause you get the best out of like you bring in a first round pick as competition now. I mean, if that doesn't light a fire, there's nothing that will. So I don't because we haven't seen more play on the right side. We have seen Chooch play on the left side. I feel like you could almost create, you know, competition at both those spots and say, okay, two of you guys are going to be starters and give them reps on both sides. I think you want to find a comfort level there because some guys can't. We talked about it all the time. Like people might think it's just a natural transition. It's not like the footwork is so different on the left side than opposed to the right side. So yeah. maybe th- those guys aren't going to be able to play both, but we know that Chooch has played both. Mm-hmm. I believe. I believe Dan played both at some point in college and Broderick only has one year at left tackle. So he's played other spots. So I, I, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't close the door on it is what I'm saying is to say mm-hmm. both these tackle spots are open. We got three guys here that we feel okay about going into camp, winning starting positions. Which two of you is it going to be? Okay. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it's Chooch staying on the right side, and it's Roger Jones on the left side, and Dan Moore becomes probably a pretty solid swing tackle. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, and look at how quickly. Obviously, they have to play together, but look at how quickly, like, look at the 2021 offensive line to what we project the 2023 offensive line. Yeah. How quickly it could turn around. There's only oh, one starter that would be the yeah. same. Yeah. No, 2021, because that was even worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Since then, it, you know, you got Mason Cole and Daniels last year. You got Samalo. Even Herbate is like the swing interior guy. Yeah. I mean, you could be looking at it as just Jukes as the turnover. And it's, it's crazy. It's like how long the fact that he's lasted clearly the coaching staff feels much better than him about than most of the fan base does. Um, like he's, he's a baseline starter in my opinion, certainly could be upgraded upon, but you don't want to, I think he's just always been a product of fortune and that they don't want to turn over everybody. He's just been that one consistent for them. So well, that, and I, I think that Tomlin has used this quote before. Um, he doesn't kill him. Like he 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 doesn't kill yeah, the line. He's been, There's been he's other been players that have, that have that have played a lot worse. He's been available yeah. and he hasn't really killed them. Sure, he's not perfect, but yeah. he's he's been a serviceable starter. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Um, I mean, since you opened that door with the tackles, let's just keep it going down the line. Does Joey Porter Jr. start in one of those corner spots? Um, I'm gonna say yeah. I, I I genuinely think he does. I, I I think the athleticism is going to make him a starter. Um, and I I feel like corner, especially after losing Cam Sutton, is one is the position that it was so thin, um, in in terms of depth. And so when you're looking at the star, the starters, I mean you're you're talking about Akella Witherspoon, Patrick Peterson, 
Um, who else could start on the outside? Levi. Levi Wallace. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Well, that's that true. honestly here. Here's what I'm seeing is because they. I know that they just. Oh my gosh! I don't even know why they signed him. Uh, Shannon Sullivan from the Vikings last year. That that's apparently right now the option that we're looking at for slot corner, like in passing situations. Millette would obviously be that guy to kind of fill the rundown situations, but he cannot play in obvious pass situations. He can't cover anybody. Um, but neither could Sullivan last year in Minnesota. He gave up the most yards from the slot in the NFL. So to me, the way that I think this plays out best for the Steelers would be Patrick Peterson actually in the slot and Levi Wallace and Joey Porter Jr. as the, on the boundary. I think that can make sense. Um, you know, I, I, I just feel like Joey Porter Jr. is going to bring a lot more upside than most of the other players have at the position. Yeah. Hey, maybe um, it's maybe it's Corey Trice and Joey Porter Jr. already. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> that would be wild. If he was a seventh round. I mean, you see it happen. There was even a case last year with uh with the Bills when they you know they didn't have Trey White for a period of time. They were down to starting a seventh round rookie as like their number one corner at one point. Christian yeah. Benford. So I, I mean, mean there's cases hey, where it happens, but Jalen Warren, I'm pretty sure was an undrafted free agent. He was out of Oklahoma State. So not that and he's I a starter, but he has started a game because of we the mentioned that, out. We mentioned I don't I I don't think Akello makes it on the fifty three man roster to start the season. He shouldn't. He's a bum. I think I only, they're going to. I only have... named him because these guys that I know have played the outside that are still technically under the under contract. James, P- I think it's going to be down for him and Pierre for one spot, and Pierre has the special teams value. So yeah, I think yeah. he would. Make no, I agree. So, do you think Joey Porter starts? Yes, I I think because of them not having other viable options it's going to be what i said like peterson has talked about the fact he thinks he's going to move around a lot i think his days as a true boundary corner probably in the past i i think that his best fit here what's best for him and for the team is going to be him playing in the nickel yeah. so i i really believe that they're their best and i thought levi wallace was solid enough last year i really think that their best secondary is going to be porter jr and wallace outside and Patrick Peterson inside. Also, RIP the day three G- dream, Clark Phillips to 132. Yeah. Man. So that's the spot. It, I wanted it bad. I wanted yeah. it bad. And you know, I wanted it bad. I was all on Clark Phillips. And... Yeah. Well, that's what's so the one thing I love the Herbig pick. I think it would have been between him or do you go with a slot corner option? They went with yeah. Herbig, which I totally get. I mean, that gives you, uh, they're going to, start him out as an outside linebacker which is what they've said that's what i was going to ask um, you do you think they they well, keep him on, on the outside that's yeah. how they're approaching it for right now it's gonna be i mean super light for the position and we'll see if he you know puts on some weight or what the plan is there um i like the idea of him moving around i'm curious as to how he's it's gonna be interesting to see how he does against tackles at the nfl level at his weight um yeah. I mean, he's super, a little just, undersized too for an outside guy. Like you don't see a lot of edge rushers that are six two. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like it, it will be interesting to see uh, if they stay true to that, or if he does become like an off ball guy who they use, you know, as an edge rusher sparingly. Um, 
either way, man, I will never have an issue with them going and getting high motor guys out of Wisconsin. They've done too well with it in the past. So it is, you look at, they go, what, two guys from Georgia, two guys from Wisconsin, and, he, and then two Big Ten or three Big Ten guys. So wait, well, Wisconsin's in the Big Ten too. So two yeah. Georgia guys and then the rest were Big Ten at the draft pick. Were any of the, so Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Penn State, Georgia, Georgia, Maryland, Purdue, Corey Purdue. Trust. Okay, so we didn't cross the Mississippi River. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I was getting down to. I'm like, okay, so we so we didn't go out west. The Steelers don't like to go out west. Yeah. Nope. That's just a thing against. that they don't do. The only one that I don't see, I think he'll get playing time, but I don't think that he'll start right away is Keanu Benton. And I'm, I'm, I'm when I say the only one, I'm talking the top four picks. I'm not talking like Corey Trice yeah. or, or uh, well, it, that's it, it'll be interesting to see how what the plan is for him. So unless they've said I missed it, like I, I literally saw Denzel Martin say about Herbig's the plan being an outside linebacker start. If they're gonna play Benton as a three tech. Yeah, he's not gonna see the field, you know, over Ogan Joby and Hayward. Yeah, um, are they gonna line him up in like a zero or one tech ever though? Because if that's the case, like, yeah, I mean, who's he? Who's he challenging for snaps with Monty? Like, yeah, uh, he could definitely get on the field. Fahoku. Oh yeah, Brain. I forgot about them bringing him in. Yeah, yeah. I still, I mean, I, that, it, that it could happen. Yeah. He's but the only right. one that I, the... I, that I will pre- I would predict. Like I, I'll say it now. Yeah. I predict he won't be a starter. Well, that's not like, even. I don't camp. even know that that's the case with. And there goes Smitty. His internet's out. Um, yeah, we don't know if that's going to be the case for him. I don't know what he was going to say after that, but uh, I'm going to assume that's what he was going to say. Whether whether he'll he'll be the starter or not. Um, but yeah, Steelers had a really good draft class. We can move on from football now. Oh, Smitty's uh, back. My USB <laughs> hub just stopped working. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. So that it reset was... everything. So my mic, camera, <laughs> ring light, everything went uh, off for a second. You were about to stop talking. It's it's like almost like you ratioed yourself and you just cut <laughs> <that> off. <laughs> no. Yeah. All I was going to say is we don't even know if if what the plan is with Benton. It might not even be okay. to play any zero or one tech. So like if they're okay. just viewing him as a three tech. Yeah, that's just the long-term plan to replace Cam. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um, but all right. And then finally, talking about the Pirates, who unfortunately, as of recording, breaking the fourth wall, are currently losing to the Tampa Bay Rays. But uh, even if they were to lose that, that put them with a 20-10 and 10 record. Um, they go. They finished April 20-9. and 9. Um, Obviously, fantastic start to the season, exceeding expectations. We could just say the same old things that we've been saying every single week. I keep trying to find like new things to highlight on a weekly basis, though. So I've got one for this week because a guy that we were really harping on to start the season has played some really good baseball and I think been a big part of where this team is at. And that's Jack Sawinski. Um, I think when he he looked more patient at the plate, he's drawing walks. He's obviously hitting the long ball. He's taking opportunities there when he gets into hitters counts. He's He's still playing center field because he's just better defensively than Brian Reynolds in that spot. Um, so as much credit as I, I've given, obviously Andrew McCutcheon and 
Carlos Santana, Connor Joe, even Brian Reynolds. Obviously, the power hasn't been there as of late, but he's on like a six-game streak with a run batted in uh, and, and hitting 320 on the year. I think Jack Sawinski deserves some shine too because he's a guy that we were not thrilled about making the club out of spring training, let alone playing the way that he has. Um, yeah, no, Jack, Jack has played really well, especially from where he started the season. He was, and granted, it's a small sample size, but he was – getting on base around like I think it was around like 250 maybe even less batting around 100 that's up to 264 batting average 375 on base percentage and he currently has an OPS of 958 um, which is a vast improvement also six home runs which which is much needed offense I I, I think that when you look at what he's doing with his bat and then the, the I don't know how many plays he's made that have have been tweeted out defensively this year by the pirates it's felt like a lot um he seems to be pretty good defensively in the outfield um but i i think that he's one of those guys that i'll 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 go back to what i said when we started the season and we were we were playing well and then we lost Cruz. you need to make up from some of the the lack of production and lack of offense throughout the lineup instead of just a couple of guys You've continued to see that, and you've see, and you've seen some players that weren't contributing that much in the beginning start to contribute, like Jack Sawinski. Um, we got to give a cap tip, cap tip to him because he's played really good baseball. Yeah, um, we've also seen uh, the Drew Maggi story come to an end here in Pittsburgh. Probably, I would assume, uh, with him going back down to the minors. Um, it was interesting because you thought like it was just for like a quick cup of tea maybe he gets in defensively or like gets in at bat he ends up having like a week up here starts a couple games has multiple at bats and you know i'm not trying to like take away from the moment but like i feel like that was a little bit much for me like when you look at his track record not sure that like he necessarily was the best option for them there i thought it was a cool story to bring him up and give him one at bat it ended up like i said being much more than that it's still, you know, not to diminish what he did, was cool when he got his first hit, drove in his first run. He ended up having a multi-hit game against the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were all very cool moments um, that happened from this, but he's he's not one of the best options to be on a 26 or even 27-man roster. So back to the minors, cool story, great for him. He's gotten to even go on like a little media tour from this appearing on like good morning America and other things, which is great for him. Good I'm glad that he got his, his a moment. Yeah. Like the good morning America. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know that, that this was this big of a deal. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I mean, I drew, I don't want to like, I don't want to put a dampen on your parade, but like or shower on your parade, but I didn't know that you were th- that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's a cool story. Maybe, maybe it's because the Pirates are doing what they're doing this year because they've taken that, a lot of national spotlight too. That's true. Um, uh, the Pirates are 20 wins. They got their 20th win on April 29th. Last yeah. season, they got their 20th win on May 30th. So over a month later. Wow. Well, that's that's cool. I mean, that I think it was when they got their 12th win, it was like a month difference or something like that too. So Yeah, it's still a month. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I keep looking at that number getting shorter and shorter in terms of like what they, how many losses they, or how many wins they need to make sure they don't go under 500 and like mm-hmm. the playoff percentage continues to go up. I mean, 
again, we're just kind of as Pirates fans living in the moment, but just in trying to enjoy this ride because right now they're ahead of schedule from where we thought they'd be. But are they overachieving? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> but yeah, but the, the, but this team is one that's not going to go away easily because of how it was constructed, constructed with different depth and everything. It's a lot of fun. And while they're hopefully still going to be in first place, uh, they can draft Cruz out of LSU at 1.1. That's that's the thing. Like, imagine if they are in first place on draft day. And picking first overall. Yeah. (laughs) How high the vibes will be. Um, Yeah, that'd be awesome. We've already, and it's funny because, like, I feel like we've kind of already just, like, we're talking as if Dylan Cruz is a pirate. Like it's, I feel like there's not another guy that we. Is there are a viable option though? Another I, viable option? Not for me. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like some stat nerd might bring up some high school pitcher. I don't know. Well, there's a but, there's another player at LSU that I think is going to go very high too. What's his name? <sighs> the name is slipping me, man. Um, man, come on, Paul. I don't know how it's pronounced. Paul, Paul Skinness or Steenness. Fine. Dark joke. Um, Skinness? Paul Skinness. MLB. 6'6", 235 pitcher. MLB mock draft. Let's <laughs> find his name. Oh, yeah. Right-handed pitcher. This is, has him predicted going number two. Yeah. But after Dylan Cruz. As well. I don't know. If... if but one... No. If, if, if you have a... If, Take best player available, like who's better at their position. But it, just from a Pirates perspective, would you rather have the outfielder or the pitcher? This is going to maybe maybe this is a stupid thought. I just feel like the outfielder would get here to help in this window of contention a lot sooner. Especially since he's a college outfielder. Like yeah. he could only spend like a year and a half in the minors and realistically make the big leagues. Yeah. Maybe not on the Pirates, but on another team, you could probably spend a year and a half. Yeah, like we've seen it. We've seen it happen. It's possible. (laughs) Yeah. Although, I don't know. Cole, uh, Garrett Cole was only in the minors for like two years. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. And this pitcher, he was a a college kid. Like 18. Yeah. I just, but that's just kind of the way that I lean toward. Like if it's, to me, it's not close anyway. But if it were close in terms of the way I wanted the prospects, I would lean the hitter just because I feel like they got a better chance of getting here quicker. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Dylan Cruz is the best player. Yeah. Now, like I said, some some stat nerd is going to come out of the closet and can tell me why why Paul Skins Skins Skennis, whatever his name is, is is the uh, better player or the more valuable player at one dot college baseball. On this oh, I'm a huge college baseball <laughs> fan. Um, Watched every LSU game this year. Yeah. Also, looking at his mock draft, this mock draft was done by uh, Vincent Servino. Of course, um, Vince. Yep. Dylan Cruz, LSU. Paul something, LSU. Wyatt Langford, Florida. Yep. And then there's a high school kid, and then Jacob Gonzalez, Ole Miss. Wow. And then the SEC's just Tennessee in the top eight or at number eight, <laughs> bro. SEC baseball, yeah. Everybody thinks it's a football yeah. conference. Times are changing. Man. After yeah, Georgia was back to back national titles. Yeah, I was saying, I guess it's both. Because... Uh, all right. And imagine if it. Bama would have won the national title in basketball this year. They didn't, but they didn't. 
that would just be spoiled. Yeah. Oh well. We can draft Dylan Cruz in, in July and and we could still be in first place, hopefully. Right. I look forward to that day. Um, I think that's about it. It's also a dog in the background telling us to wrap it up. So yeah, Scotty's sign to go. Scotty's yelling at somebody. That's our sign to go. Um Again, follow us on all of our platforms at Around the 412. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, like and subscribe right here on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you don't miss a single thing that we're putting out there. Uh, also, also let, us, let us know what kind of YouTube videos you would like to see. Smitty and I are willing to make, and we want to make other YouTube videos outside of just our normal normal shows, from, our clips from the show. So what kind of YouTube videos would you like? Would you like to see, like, tier list videos um trivia video like any any sort of games that you could see on like tiktok or youtube that you like to watch what would you like to see us do as well okay all right i can get down with that as well uh spotify apple wherever you're listening leave us a five-star review um all that good stuff that you can do there our link tree which is in our twitter uh bio will tell you every platform that we are on and our we twitter are, bios as well yeah we are independent again so our channel is different than the one that you might be subscribed to if you are watching on youtube or listening somehow you're obviously getting this podcast from somewhere right now but if you are watching on youtube you might be subscribed to a different audio platform that is currently not getting the rss feed or something like that so we just want to make sure that everybody is still able to find the show on all of our platforms and you can make sure that you are doing that by going to our link tree and seeing all those drop downs that happen when you click on that link tree uh as tyler mentioned at the beginning of the show there are a ton of links in the description of this show a couple gofundmes um as well as our friend Haley wagner's custom etsy shop and facebook page so check all of those out um i, I will mention again even though it's too late to register about the dalton keen golf outing on May 13th, a Blackhawk golf course at 2 p.m. Just because you guys can still come come and hang out. Uh, I'm not going to be golfing myself, so you can just come hang out with me and whoever else is not going to be golfing. But um, I think we covered all of our bases there. Let us know how you feel about the draft as well in the comments down below. Let, let us know how you feel about that draft hall. Let us know how you're feeling about anything that we discussed in the show. We'd love going back and forth and talking about it with you guys. Um, but until next week, for Tyler, for Smitty, this has been another episode of Around the 412. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.